Need more energy throughout the day? Looking for a kick to your workout? RockinThatIDLife.com has you covered with delicious flavors you've grown to love in tropical fruit and mixed berry, but now fall in love with the new fruit punch and orange flavors. Try them all at RockinThatIDLife.com. Realtor Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage LLC makes the moving process easier. Work with a realtor who plays and studies the game and will work as hard as the boys on the ice to get you the best deal. Check out Mike on the web at strikewithmike.com and jumpstart your move today. That's strikewithmike.com. This is Let's Go Blues Radio starring Jeff Ponder and two other guys. What is the worst goal you feel like you have ever given up in your career? Oh, I got to pick just one. There's so uh, <laughs> just one. How about, okay, let me, let me. Uh... Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, four-flushing, low-life, snake-licking, dirt-eating, inbred, <laughs> overstuffed, ignorant, blood-sucking, dog-kissing. amazing how in the morning I'd wake up and I couldn't find my toothbrush and then I realized it was floating in the back of the toilet and then I put one and one together and I knew who did it. <laughs> I was Gilmore. When a guy misses a slap shot, the first thing he does is look at his stick. <laughs> yeah, it really has nothing to do with the stick. Now the girls won't do that. The girls will internalize. They'll blame themselves when there's a mistake with guys it came down from, from uh, I believe it was the LA Kings we were affiliated with at the time. And the guy just had just a, just a rotten attitude. Never thought highly of him, uh, you know, from that standpoint. So, yeah. Hello and welcome to this episode of Let's Go Blues Radio of the Summer Series. And I'm your host, Jeff Ponder, to guide you along this summer journey. Uh, thanks for tuning in this week as we're entering Episode 9 of Season 12. Support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by RockinThatIDLife.com, where we help you make every workout, every meal count. We do life better. And by Mike Burgoyne of Real Brokerage Realty. Use StrikeWithMike.com to search properties in your area and to contact Mike, who will help put your dream home, put you in your dream home, or sell your current home. And by Centerized Brewery, which serves St. Louis with flavorful hockey-themed beer, Find your new favorite brew at local grocery and liquor stores throughout the St. Louis area. This is franchise episode number 418, all time in season 12, episode 9. Uh, we have a returning friend of the show on, uh, but we will get to him in a minute. Uh, we will lead off the show here. Uh, first of all, congrats to Pierre Turgeon and Ken Hitchcock on being in the 2023 Hockey Hall of Fame induction class. Uh, also included, uh, also want to congratulate, Henrik Lundqvist, Caroline Ouellette, uh, Mike Vernon, Tom Barrasso, Blues legend, and uh, the late Pierre Lacroix. Um, yeah, we'll talk more about this probably next week. We're uh, going to be having a show uh, either Wednesday or Thursday to discuss the Blues draft, uh, as the draft is weirdly on a Wednesday and Thursday next week. So, um, we'll, we'll talk more about that when we have more people here. Uh, the news just came across the wire here as I'm recording this on Wednesday evening, uh, and posting Thursday night. So, um, definitely want to have a lengthy discussion about those inductions instead of me just rambling on about how much I love Pierre Turgeon and, um, you know, appreciate Ken Hitchcock. So, and of course the great blues goalie, Tom Barrasso. Uh, so we'll get into that next week, but I do want to go ahead and throw out that congratulations uh, to those uh, those those guys who made it. I'm sorry, the people who made it, um, because that's a, a very nice uh, way to uh, wrap up your career. Uh, so as you can probably tell, there is no all-time team reveals this week um, and likely won't be for a few weeks. Uh, if you uh, have been paying attention... You've seen the defense has been completely filled out, as well as all of the left wings. We still have centers, right wings, goalies, and coaches, as well as uh, three utility spots. Uh, but uh, with with uh, the NHL news, they're going to be swirling the next couple weeks with the draft and then with free agency. Uh, there's a good chance that we're just not going to have a show uh, to dedicate to revealing those all-time players. So we're going to put that on uh, the back burner for a couple weeks here. 
as we talk about current blues, well, future blues with the draft. So just make sure you stay tuned to us on social media. We'll, we'll alert you when the next one will be. But I'm thinking probably uh, we'll have two weeks, so probably three weeks from this week, which is the week of the 21st of June. So after free agency, we'll probably get right back into that. So if that's what you're tuning in for, I apologize, but we will get to that again very soon. Uh so again, friend of the show, uh, we've had him on before, Mike Meyer joins. Um, he is a credentialed blues writer, works for the hockeywriters.com, and clearly uh, gets a little bit of the inside access being a blues media member. Uh, this was his first year, so we discussed what it was like being a media member for the first year, as well as, uh, of course, the new blues coach hires, which was a big deal, at least for the people of this show, because we've been asking for some changes behind the bench, not the head coach, uh, for oof, a couple months. So big deal here. So we will talk about that with our guest, Mike Meyer. That's why I'm not mentioning it here at the top of the show. We're going to talk about the upcoming draft. Mike knows a lot about prospects, so I wanted to get his take on what the Blues might do. And then, of course, we just kind of talk about the St. Louis Blues, where they're at now and where they could be in October after the offseason ends and what kind of moves Doug Armstrong might be thinking of making for this roster. Uh, so, again, we are, uh, we're in a break for the reveal shows for the all-time team. We're also in a little bit of a break on voting for the all-time team as things are getting ramped up here for the Blues, you know, with the draft, with free agency, with everything. NHL news, again, swirling this time of year. So we're kind of making sure that people can get the right focus on when they want to do their votes for the all-time team. So nothing is up right now if you go to our Twitter page, uh, but make sure you stay tuned uh, as we'll start our center votes very, very soon. Um, and again, you can vote for those on our Twitter page when it comes up and, and just pay attention on social media. That'll be at LGB radio. And we will of course post links to that on our Facebook page as well. So make sure you tune in there. Um, but as far as this show goes, again, we're going to talk with Mike Meyer, uh, just talking blues hockey, getting you guys all prepped for the upcoming stuff that's going to be happening in the NHL with free agency and, and the draft right around the corner. Um, so we wanted to take a little break here from all the stuff we've been doing this off season and, uh, have some good discussion here with somebody who knows their stuff. So we invited Mike to come on. Um, so, and I will say too, before we get started here, uh, Mike has a, a, a tinfoil hat idea as he calls it. I think it was just kind of speculation what the blues could do. Maybe they're looking for another reclamation project. Uh, he mentioned Sean Monahan uh, as a possibility for the blues to, bring in this summer as a free agent. He actually, since we recorded that interview, it's actually the next day, um, he signed a one-year contract to remain with the Montreal Canadiens. So do you want to point that out? Um, I think it was an interesting idea. I'm all for it. Reclamation projects seem to be working for the Blues. So uh, it was an interesting idea, but unfortunately that will not pan out. I just wanted to mention that here at the top of the show in case you hear this and you're like, neither of these guys knew that Sean Monahan signed. He did. We're, we're calling it out now, so don't be sending me some nasty emails. Uh, all right, well, we will take a quick break, and on the other side of this break, you're going to hear from myself and uh, Mr. Mike Meyer talking about St. Louis Blues hockey. We'll return after these messages. Every beer league hockey night, I grab my hockey bag and sticks and throw them in the trunk of my car, and the very next thing I do... I mix up a boost of energy courtesy of RockinThatIDLife.com. It's formulated to break up its delivery in three ways, which helps me get through all three periods of hockey. Phase 1 provides a rapid onset of energy, concentration, alertness, and motivation. By period 2, I'm receiving a dose of sustained energy, increased focus, metabolism, cognitive function, performance, and feelings of well-being, which I need with the way I play. In Phase 3, I'm getting fatigue protection without jitters and crash, an elevated mood and a reduction of fluid retention to help me make the big play when it counts. This same triphasic approach helps me when I drink it during work hours or simply just for a pick-me-up when I need it. Try one of the four energy flavors by visiting rockinthatidlife.com, but make sure to email Dustin at rockinthatidlife at gmail.com and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you to receive an additional 10% off your order. That's rockinthatidlife.com. 
Center Ice Brewery is a beer lover's dream for hockey fans. Based in St. Louis, Missouri, owner Steve Albers has been brewing hockey-themed favorites for thirsty sports fans since 2017. From the Beauty IPA to the Old Arena Lager, a cold, frosty, hockey-themed beer is just what the doctor ordered for hockey fans in St. Louis. Make sure to check your local beer store for Center Ice Brewery beer today. LGB, let's go beer. During the magical 2019 playoff run, I was in the midst of buying my current home. Every time I spoke with my realtor, obviously, home buying was the discussion. But in the back of my mind, I couldn't stop thinking about what was destined to happen for our St. Louis hockey team. If only there were a realtor who could have walked me through the process, held my hand when needed, but was there to be a sounding board when I wanted to complain about a certain hand pass goal. Let realtor Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage be that for you. He'll have your needs top of mind as he skates you through the home buying or selling process, dangling you past any obstacles and assisting on all your home goals. Check out strikewithmike.com for more information or give him a call directly at 314-753-4060. That's Mike Burgoyne with Real Brokerage at strikewithmike.com and that number again is 314-753-4060. Don't forget to tell Mike that Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. And now, back to Let's Go Blues Radio, the longest-running St. Louis Blues podcast with Price, Ponder, and Day. All right, we are back, and I am joined now by Mike Meyer of uh, thehockeywriters.com. He's a St. Louis Blues credentialed writer for thehockeywriters.com. He knows a lot about the Blues, knows a lot about prospects, and we've had him on the show. He is a... I guess now you're a two-time friend of the show. Two-time, uh, yeah. There you go. Mike, thanks for joining us. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Hey, thanks for having me back. You know, long-time listener, uh, second-time caller here, I guess. Yeah, right. There you go. I'll take it. <laughs> um, man, I, I got to say, uh, it, you know, right off the bat, I'm going to hit you with, like, talking so good about you. Um, I was so amazed when I saw that you – this is one year credentialed, right? You yes. Last season was your first season. Yep. Okay, so first of all, it was your fault the Blues had a bad year, right? That's exactly it. I will, I will totally shoulder that. Yep, yep. <laughs> damn it, damn it, Mike. Why, why, why did people credit? I just wanted to go Jeez. to games. I just wanted to go to more games. Okay. Like... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll say so. Um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just be honest with you. When I started, and I was just, I started this podcast back in 2011 with Kurt Price, um, mm-hmm. and uh, then I started doing radio for a little bit. As much time in college as I put into writing about the Blues for various sites, the Blues did not care. They didn't care. The minute I got a 15-minute spot on a radio show on 1380 was when they were like, oh, yeah, let's credential that guy. So when I saw that you got credentialed, and as far as I know, all all you're doing, all your reporting is on thehockeywriters.com. I, I was actually very impressed because that means you must be doing a very good job for the Blues to accept you being credentialed. Either that or they are getting a little bit more laxed here, like as far as like the people that they're allowing to come in. So <laughs> <laughs> the way that we always said it was like, you know, and it's not and I'll admit now with Let's Go Blues Radio. Now that I'm not credentialed anymore, my thoughts are I actually don't want to be credentialed because I feel like I don't want the situation where. Let's just say Robert Thomas has a really bad game and I yeah. go off on him. I say all these bad things and then I see him in the press box the next night and he's like, so what would you say about me last night? <laughs> I don't want to have that conversation, Robert. <laughs> Super awkward, man. Super awkward. Yep. I'm just going to put my headphones on, listen to the radio broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I'm going to ignore you. I'm not even going to, I don't even hear you, Robert Thomas. Right. No, right. I, uh, so I'll admit what what we do now and and with me not doing radio or or even writing about the team anymore, it's not for me, but for you, I'm sure it's added a lot of great insight for the stuff you're doing for the hockey writers. Man, it was, it was like drinking out of a fire hydrant here. Like first trying to figure out what was going on. I mean, like I was a kid in a candy store being able to go here through all of this, but you know, going through the second season, it's going to be so much fun be able to get a little more involved, hopefully like with practices, get a little bit more involved here, like with some interviews. Um, I'm, I'm super excited here for it. That's great. Yeah. So you, um, you know, 
you probably got some stories, I'm sure, from your first season. Like I told one last week about my first game was David Perron's first game back after his injury. And I was told, do not applaud, do not applaud. David Perron yeah. scores, everybody's applauding. And I'm like, right. what the hell? And right. everybody's like, oh, what it's okay to applaud now. Did you have any weird stories like that happen? Really? I mean, because of the season that we had, it was sometimes just more awkward than anything. Like some of those losses, especially the ones, you know, the consistent backdoor pass for the goal, going down in that freight elevator with Doug Armstrong and Al McInnes and anybody else who was up within that front office for three floor. I mean, just going down from the third floor all the way down. So awkward. You could have heard a pin drop in there and it was, I mean, extremely quiet. So, I mean, like there wasn't like anything like majorly fun, you know, that we got to be able to do, but it was, you know, it was an awkward season. I think to be able to kind of just jump in here right off the get go you know, I had a couple of people tell me like, this is not like of the norm. It's a little bit more fun, upbeat kind of thing. And, um, but it was definitely um, an interesting season to, to join up here with. Yeah. I'll tell you, I know because I actually was on the opposite end. I joined the media when the team started to rise a little bit, 2011, yeah. 2012. Okay. And, and so that was the year they made the playoffs with the exception of the 09 team. Uh, that made the playoffs and actually had a chance to go yeah. anywhere yeah. Uh, since 04. So <laughs> it was so odd to I, I, be in there. Like you said, like I would go there, they'd be a win. Everyone's talking. I'd look over Doug Armstrong, like you said, on the freight elevator. He's laughing, talking to somebody else. But then the next night they'd lose, and it was just dead silence going yep. downstairs. And then even yep. walking to the locker room was dead silence. And it's just yep. – I feel like I'm in trouble. Like I did something wrong. Right. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's exactly that feeling. And you know, in the back of your mind, you're, and, and obviously you doing this here before, like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not a long freight ride, but boy, that feel like that that thing could take, you seem like you were on there for 10 minutes sometimes. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I'll say one of the times. So uh, I, I was used to be a, a big, and I still listen, but uh, used to be a big uh, Rizzuto show fan. Yeah. And uh, back way back in my high school days, uh, Jeff and Tom show. And so when I met Jeff Burton was, it was in the elevator going down after like a, the third loss in a row. And so it was dead silent. I'm standing right next to Jeff Burton, somebody I've listened to since I was in high school. And I'm yeah. like, I want to fucking geek out a little bit here and just kind of yep. be like, Oh my God, you're Jeff Burton. I love you. You do such good work, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I can't say anything because it's so yep. quiet. So I right. finally, as we're walking down, I finally just grab him as we're walking to the locker room. And I'm like, man, I got to tell you, I'm a big fan. And he's like, yeah, man. He's like, I saw you looking at me in the, in, in the elevator. <laughs> I could tell you wanted to say this dude. <laughs> yeah. But he's like, man, he's like, it gets so weird in there when there's, you know, when there's a loss and I'm like, yes, I know. But yep. you kind of get it right. Like, the yep. media kind of in that moment kind of takes on the persona of the players. Like there's no celebrating. There's no laughing. There's no joking around. This is all business tonight. Right. That's exactly it. And then you don't even want to do that. Like I wanted to do that for my very first preseason game that I went to was against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And the very first person to walk onto the elevator here after me was Rick Nash. <laughs> Oh, and I wanted to geek out so badly, like, excuse me, Mr. Nash, you know, and, and I'm like, ah, I can't do it. First of all, he's the enemy here tonight. Second of all, I am brand new here to this scene. I don't know what is protocol, what is not. Can I be able to say hi, introduce myself? And so luckily I talked to a guy here beforehand and he was like, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't talk to, to Rick Nash here just yet. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> but I wasn't that guy. Yep. Uh, so did you, uh, did you go at, at, I don't know how many games you went to as a media member this year, if you went to all 41, but did you go to the visitor locker room at all after games? I didn't get the, I didn't get the opportunity to be able to go to the, to the visitor locker room. Um, you know, I had, clearance but i didn't have i guess like full full like i could be able to do home team stuff but it wasn't the ability to go like do anything like majorly extra okay here if that makes sense so, yeah i i only asked to do it a couple times and, and it's you know for me I, I don't know i'm sure it's changed i i left in 2015 but um you know it was just kind of like a i would just kind of ask like uh dan o'neill or somebody and like hey it's cool if i yeah. go to the visitor locker room yeah no problem and uh i remember one time i walked in and it was the new jersey devil uh, New Jersey? Yeah, I think it was New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey was in town. 
And um, I uh, I walk in, and as I walk in, a buck naked Yamir Yager walks right in front of me, and I'm like. I just saw Yammer Yager's ass. Like I even said that out loud. There was another media member by me. I had no idea who he was. I think he was a devil's guy. And I was go, Oh my God, I saw Yammer Yager's ass. And he just laughed. He goes, yeah, you get used to it. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I ever would. <laughs> oh my gosh. I tell you, if there's one thing that I really did enjoy, um, it was a little bit more restrictive. Like you were at the blues, like this past season, it was, um, once you walked in, you know, you had the numbers on the board on who was going to be all available, but that was it. There was no, like you walked in, the locker room was already cleared out. There was nobody else extra that was in there. And then they filed in the players just like one at a time. And so I didn't know like if COVID had anything else extra to do with it. I don't know if it was a matter of like extra security. I don't know if it, it was a matter of professionalism, you know, whatever that it, the situation may have been, but they wanted the interviews to be one by one. And so when I walked in there, I mean, luckily, I guess, luckily, you know, you didn't have to be able to have the situation where you saw Yarmir Yager's ass or, you know, you saw Robert Thomas naked or, you know, whatever the situation <laughs> may be. Um, but you, it was completely empty locker room. So, you know, me walking in there for the very first time, I'm looking around like, okay, where is everybody? Yep. And I know I'm in the right place because everybody else is in this place. But uh, it was, uh, it was definitely an interesting you know, interesting curve to get used to. What was your favorite interview you were a part of this year? Do you have one? Any single one that was um, Robert Thomas here, like was a lot of fun, but then any single interview that included, and I'm blanking here on his name, um, Tyler Tucker. Oh yeah. Okay. The dude was just so happy to be there. Happy go lucky dude. And especially like after like he, you know, started scoring here a little bit. I mean, he was just like, Mr. Ray of Sunshine, um, same here, like with Callie Rosen. Like he was just always like in a great mood, yep. you know. And it was just, it was so much fun to be able to get to see these, um, these extra type of guys that were just contributing so much here with them. So those two, um, here again, like on top of like Shen Thomas, those are just great interviews, right? Yeah, I'll say mine was uh, Marty Brodor. I was there when he oh, yeah. uh, came down and and spent a couple games with the Blues and. The first game, I remember just walking in, and again, I, I have I, at this point, I've already talked to Yammer Yager and um, a couple other people like that. But seeing Martin Brodor sitting in a blue stall and then just jumping up and start taking questions, all the players because I think it was his first win as a blue, so all mm-hmm. the Blues players are coming out and like you know tapping him on the leg and like you know grabbing him by the shoulder, right. and they're all saying "Good game, there, Marty," and it's just it was so surreal to be a part just of surreal. that moment. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. That's gotta be just so, so much fun. Yep. It is. So, uh, yeah. So, well, uh, so you said already second season, you're looking forward to it. I'm guessing you've already gotten your credentials for next year. Is that correct? Not just here as of yet, you know, it's still like in the process here of just kind of getting everything here all worked out. Um, the hockey writers is a little bit slower here like with this. Um, but we are just trying to do everything all at the exact same time right. while we're just going through um, credentialing, recredentialing um, here and just moving forward. So um, not just as of yet. Okay. Well, well, you did oh, a great right. job last year from what I read. So I think we'll be seeing you again Appreciate it. this year. I don't think you did anything to piss off yeah. the organization. So you should be good. Boy, I hope not. <laughs> Boy, I hope not. <laughs> uh, so yeah. Talk- anything, I was like almost too quiet. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. Yeah. Well, I, I, I t- again, I, I hate to tell the story two weeks in a row, but um, the, my first game with Perron, uh, Andy Strickland, I was getting ready to leave after the game. And Strickland was like, what are you packing up for? Aren't you going to go down to the locker room? And I was like, no, I'm going to ease into this. And he's like, no, you're coming down to the locker room. And I like, even grabbed me by the, by the go. suit coat was like, no, you're coming with me. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it, <laughs> Here we it, go. it's like, yeah, for me, it was like, I was in the same realm. Like I just need to shut up and just be the new guy. Don't, you know, cause a fuss anywhere, but every now and then you get that chance to ask a question that you want to ask. And it's like, yep. I, okay, I'm going to stop being the quiet guy here for a minute. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. That's exactly, you sometimes have to be that guy. Cause you know, as I was always told here growing up here as well, you know, just because you are like the one with the question, you don't think anybody else has the question more than likely at least 10 other people here in the class and the situation, you know, whatever that it is, have that exact same question. Yep. So won't be afraid to be that guy. Well, and that was always my thought too, was if I have this question, maybe somebody else here in the press room doesn't or in the locker room doesn't, but a fan certainly does. And they want the answer to this. Right. So yeah, that was always right. my view too. Yep. So I'm with you. Uh, 
So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the St. Louis Blues, as you have, uh, you know, again, yeah. you're you're very involved with the organization, doing a great job over at the yeah. Hockey Writers. Um, Want to talk about the big news this? Well, I guess last week, uh, the Blues did hire two new assistant coaches, Mike Weber and Michael Babcock, uh, named as the new Blues yeah. coaches. Uh, the search was led by Craig Berube. Uh, Weber joins as an assistant coach, Babcock as a skills coach. First question I want to mm-hmm. ask you. Did you have that weird kind of heart attack moment when you saw it was Weber and Babcock joining the organization? I did. Yes, <laughs> I was. I was like, wait a minute. What is are we officially just calling him Michael or like are we what is happening here right now? Thinking that we officially hired Babcock. And second of all, like, why is he coming to St. Louis as a skills coach? Mm-hmm. That makes no sense here. Yep. Um but yeah, it was it was definitely um, an interesting uh, notification to be able to get hear about that team. Yep. And so, uh, well, first I do. Let's go ahead and talk about uh, Michael Babcock. Yes, the son of uh, uh, NHL head coach, soon to be, from what I hear. Or is he? Is it already been announced? I don't even know. Uh, I don't think it's official yet. Yeah, Blue Jackets. I think coach, it has to right? wait till like July first or something like that here. Just yeah, like due to right. His contract. Yeah, I think his contract expires with Toronto. And finally, yeah. And so, yeah. So uh, Mike Babcock will be joining the Blue Jackets. That's a story for another time. But his son, Michael, uh, from what I've heard, rave reviews from players yeah. and coaches and even fans. I saw because he was uh, he was with the Senators last year, uh, aided in uh, developing game plans, pre scouting, on ice skill development. I read like even Senators fans were like, that guy did a great job here. Like you could see it in the player development from year to year that last year, some of these guys just looked more game ready. And a lot of mm-hmm. people credit that to Michael Babcock. So again, um, you know, we're seeing this new skills coach come in a guy in Babcock. Um, and he obviously spent two years also with the university of Saskatchewan. He ran the team's defensive power play. What kind of an impact do you expect to see from a Michael Babcock joining the organization? I think anything that can help turn around this team's special teams is going to be an upgrade. I mean, I, I, that's not really rocket science here at this point, (laughs) but anything that's going to turn this thing around here is going to be good. But, you know, we saw how good that Ottawa here was at times, um, especially, you know, with Alex to there in, in Ottawa and the blues have so many talented, skilled offensive players here in St. Louis and being able to bring in a guy who, you know, even in his Saskatchewan days, you know, what was it, 21, 22, um, 22, he ranked, what was it, second in the in the nation here in power play? I think it was second, um, here at about 28%. Uh, yeah, which second was, I mean, ranked, 28.1, yep. Yep, there you go. You are right so, on the money, sir. To... <laughs> <laughs> I just do a little bit too much research here sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, you know, he bring be able to bring a guy in like that, I think it's going to be so good here for this team. Again, if they can start being able to utilize, depending on who is going to be still here this time, you know, a Falk, a Krug, um, and maybe even hopefully one day unleash that Pareko slap shot here more and more frequently. I don't know what needs to really get into him. And maybe it's Michael Babcock that is going to be able to finally unleash the beast here from within. And whatever the situation is going to end up being, I think it's going to be a great hire here for the blues with them. Yeah. And I, uh, I think I'll say the same thing about Mike Weber. Um, so we talked the last couple, well, ever since the firings of Van Ryan and uh, McTavish that let's get out of this old boys club. Let's stop retreading yep. the same damn people in these positions and let's get some fresh faces. And I think Armstrong alluded to that in his uh, postseason uh, uh, discussion with Rutherford he basically said, like, I want to I'm going to be looking at all these youthful options. I need to understand the kids on the team, that kind of thing. And I think that was him alluding to I'm going young with my coaches and Mike yep. Weber. So he's 35. He's and he's a very recently played in the NHL. Like it wasn't that long ago, uh, 351 NHL games to his credit. Uh, but he spent three years as an assistant coach with the AHL's Rochester Americans. And again, I actually saw when, because uh, I think the Americans put out a congratulations tweet to Mike Weber, mm-hmm. and I saw a bunch of fans commenting like, oh, no. Like, again, yeah. this is an assistant coach. Like, this isn't even a head coach. Right. And fans were saying, right. oh, man, that sucks, but great for him. And it's like, mm-hmm. apparently he has had, I mean, we've seen him guide uh, the Americans to a third-place finish in the North Division 
trip to the Eastern Conference Finals in uh the, in just this past season. So again, and 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 we always, you know, we're sitting here talking about assistant coaches. We don't know what goes into the grind every day for these guys, but it's clear that this is a change in philosophy for Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube with his coaches. And mm-hmm. uh yeah, Weber I would think is probably going to be on the more defensive side coaching. So, yes. you know, so what do you think about this uh, going youthful and getting a guy like Mike Weber who recently played in the NHL? I I love this, you know, and you go back to him leaving the, the AHL and the number of people are saying, oh, no, this sucks. You look back when the Blues lost Jim Montgomery, how many people were like just visibly upset that the Blues were losing Jim Montgomery? And we saw the what happened here because of it. And so I think now, again, be able to bring on here not just Michael Babcock, but bringing in here a former NHL defenseman here and Mike Weber to fill this defensive side that he has done this here before. He has ran and operated here exclusively on the penalty kill. I think it's going to speak huge volumes for a guy like him to be able to come in and say, look, I have done this before. I have been successful here in this, and I need and be able to understand what you guys here are going through. And if you listen to me and be able to help just guide the situation, I, I think you're going to see another Steve Ott situation yeah. where he's just going to be in, in St. Louis and just thrive. Yeah. So hope. again, any, anything that's going to be a team that, you know, again, they've finished 27th here in the league in goals allowed 30th in the penalty kill. So anything that they can be able to do to help raise it, you know, if it's 25th and 28th here respectively, you know what? <laughs> we are two positions higher than what we were here last season. But hope you know. Hopefully, obviously, it's better than that. But being able to bring in a former NHLer who excelled in all of these situations, I think, is going to speak major volumes to every single one of these players, especially the younger ones, as they start to, to transition their way here into the NHL as well. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'll admit we we've been saying we were saying since pretty much early November on this show, and I know other fans t- uh, chimed in as well. Why does Mike Van Ryan still have a job here? And I hate. I hate pitting things on a guy and blaming him and saying, okay, fire this guy basically, because I hate when people lose their jobs anywhere, any walk of life. Oh, don't yeah. get me wrong. Oh yeah. And, and, but this is purely a fan watching a team saying something's not right here. And so mm-hmm. again, I think Van Ryan brought in a style that just did not work here in St. Louis. Um, I don't know exactly what Mike Weber's style is, but you got to wonder if he can work some magic with a new system for this team. Maybe these high-priced defensemen start looking like the contracts they they originally signed, right? Well, and you and you look back here. I mean, again, I'm going to go back to my Jim Montgomery comment. There was not that much, if any, sort of difference whatsoever in this defensive core underneath of Jim Montgomery. So – sits you know just looking here at this like it has to be the head coach it, or rather it has to be the coach that's over here so jim montgomery did such a good job here running and operating here this defense running and operating the power play running and operating you know anything and everything that he was over so obviously then when it starts going down there's that change that's made okay clearly it's not this personnel and while the Blues will likely make a change here within these high-priced defensemen here this offseason, I, I have to believe that they will, it's got to be the coach. Yeah. So being able to bring in somebody else that can be able to speak a little bit more here towards these defensemen, I think you're going to see a substantial change. I think you're going to go back, hopefully, to seeing the team in the defense that was underneath of Jim Montgomery. Yeah, and let's, uh, let's face it, too. I mean, um, this team, a lot of no-trade clauses. So at the end of the day, when you need to make a change, it's easier to get rid of your coach than it is to trade all your players, especially with the no trade clauses. So switching out a system, and again, I think you're right. I think we will see at least one semi-major change this summer with the defense. But if it doesn't, at least you're heading into the next season with a new scheme in place, a new guy barking orders, and somebody who's helping out Barubi and hope that maybe that's changed enough to at least get this defense to be an average level NHL defense. Hey, that's all we're asking for is at least just average. (laughs) At this point, I would love average. (laughs) Yes. Yep. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I think most fans would just love to be not bottom dwellers. Yep. 
Agree. Let's just let's just start turning it around and just look back here one season later. God forbid we miss the playoffs here once more, but at least we can be able to say, look, there has been statistical change and improvement here in this team. Let's keep moving forward and let's hope for more and more improvement. Yep. I'm with you. Uh, so talking about moving forward and, and improving the team, NHL draft next week is uh, strangely, I just yep. discovered today, uh, on a Wednesday, Thursday. On, yes. Weird, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I still can't get my mind here wrapped around it. I'm so used to, you know, just near the end of the week. Okay, cool. Let's start getting and geared up here for the draft. Yep. Yeah, it's a weird one. So uh, uh, f- yeah. fans of this show, stay tuned because I think uh, there's a good possibility we'll be going live after the first round uh, Wednesday night. So uh, that's just a little tidbit for our listeners. But with it being Wednesday night, uh, let's keep that in mind, folks. Don't forget, don't wake up Friday morning and say, oh, my God, I missed the whole draft. Um how do you see the draft shaking out for the Blues? So clearly they, you know, they have their three first round picks at, and now it's cemented mm-hmm. 10, 25 and 29. Um, yep. Do you see them making all three of those picks? I think Armstrong is going to do his best not to select at all three of those positions. I think it's pretty firm that he's going to be selecting here at 10, unless he obviously has the chance to move up here in the draft there's been some talk that there's some GMs who are interested. I mean, like they, they don't like to leak that out obviously, but at the same point, I I think it's going to be pretty hard pressed for him to be able to move up from 10. Yeah. Especially with how deep of this draft here is. If he's able to move out of any of his later two first round picks, I think it's going to be tied to one of those higher priced um, contracts in order to, be able to alleviate um, and be able to allow him some more cap flexibility here moving into the off season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and, and I want to talk to you about the off season. We'll do that here in a little bit, but let's just say, and, yeah. and we can kind of blanket talk about here with the first round or even later rounds. If you have any in mind, I know you're kind of a prospect guru. Um, who do you like for the blues, whether it's at 10, 25, 29 or beyond? Well, so let's take a look um, at number 10. It's, you don't want to say, obviously, it depends on like what's going to be on the board. But Armstrong has come out and said that he wants to be able to take the best available player. This is a very deep forward offensive draft. Very deep, especially within the first round. So the Blues could, depending on who's available to them, pivot and go defense. Because if you look at it, they don't really have a lot of like legitimate high-end, high-caliber defensemen outside of Scott Perunovich. Right. You know, within the draft here itself, like you've got David Reinbacher and Tom Willander who fit the right shot mold that they need. The problem with that is, though, is that both of these players project as being a, like a top four type player who could be able to potentially play second, maybe first round power play, and even like the penalty kill. Both of these guys are fantastic two-way players. Like, they easily could, if all things go well, end up being a top-pairing defenseman, depending on the team that they're playing here for, or very good second-pairing defensemen. Both are very good here in all three zones, proficient in generating defensive stops. Really, like, like it stands out on how good both of these guys here are defensively. But it depends, does our Doug Armstrong want to utilize this number 10 draft pick I don't know the next time he's going to get something like this to go with a player who tops out as a top four or then go offense and say, we're going to get a guy who's going to be a top six, potentially first line power play, potentially, you know, play up here like on the top line type of forward who can be able to contribute 50, 60, 70 plus points here each and every single season. You know, he's got a plenty of different options here. I I really like a few of these different guys like Oliver Moore, Dablier, uh, Dvorsky, I'm going to keep butchering his name all the time. Like it is, I'm going to eventually one day get it right. Don't you worry. Um, I've actually butchered his name on the show already. So you're good. <laughs> oh, see, there we go. Yeah. There we go. I'm just going to follow here in your footsteps there you go. Here at this point. Um, Nate Danielson. I really like him as well as Matthew Wood, the big six foot four Matthew Wood. Plenty of these guys are coming up here as centers. I mean, all three more Dvorsky here and Danielson are all natural centermen. Um, more, if you guys have done any bit of research here on some of these different guys, Moore is the fastest skater. I mean, he is the guy who reminds me of like 
um, the longest yard where he's like, he makes fast people look not so fast. Like <laughs> he's, he could potentially challenge Cairo for like the fastest skater here on this team. I mean, the dude like has got some wheels here on him, but he's also got a wicked shot here as well. So it just depends. I don't know if he's going to end up falling to St. Louis. Dvorsky is the most common player that I constantly end up seeing here, like in any bit of like mock drafts along with Danielson. He becomes a little bit more common here these days. Um, Dvorsky, excellent center prospect, great, great shot. He's good defensive instincts, good two-way player. He's another guy who I could be able to see as like a second line um, here in the future, could be able to work his way up into a, um, into a first line, depending on like the situation. Danielson, he's more of that playmaker. I don't see him really be able to, to put the puck here in the net too terribly much. I think he's a guy, um, if memory serves me, he puts maybe like three to four shots, you know, like in juniors here just on net, which is not a lot. Um, but he is a guy who I, I love watching clips here of him because he's a guy, he, he carries the puck in along the boards, just draws guys in, draws them in, draws them in, draws them in. And then like when the time wants to, he feeds the puck over here for a goal. And I'm like, dude, this is something like you watch like out of EA sometimes where this guy is just like feeding some of this. And it's like, okay, cool. It's, it's clear. So it's just interesting to see like what's going to happen here with him. He is, I mean, again, dangerously offensive, um, good, good skating. Um, and I just, I love being able to just watch him. Wood, he's a very, very intriguing prospect again. So he's a right winger, 6'4", 193 pounds. He's a big dude. He still is another player who projects as a top six forward. Um, he started out actually in the British Columbia Hockey League. I had to take a look here at my notes here to make sure I got that here right. For the Victoria Grizzlies, he scored 45 goals, 85 points in 46 games. And he decided he's not going to go to the OHL. He's not going to go to the United States Hockey League. He's going to instead take himself to the NCAA. And he then decided to join the University of Connecticut, um, where he scored 11 goals, 34 points in 35 games. Not bad. He scored, so he scored two goals, five points at the uh, Halika Gretzky Cup in five games, seven goals, 13 points in seven games here in the World Junior, like the 18s. He is, um, he's getting a lot of comparisons to Tage Thompson. So That's not bad. If the Blues potentially want to redo – they could go Matthew Wood here. So, I mean, bottom line here with this is they have a lot of players that they could go with here at this number 10 selection. It just depends who's going to be on the board and what they feel is they're going to be their biggest need. And again, any of these centers could end up just turning into wingers here just down the line, like we saw here like with Balduke. Balduke was drafted um, here out of juniors, and he was drafted here as a centerman, but then um, Patrick Waugh moved him over to the wing and I mean, he scored 50 goals this past season and he was one of the most offensively and just dy dynamic forwards here in the entire QMJHL. So yeah. it just depends on how their projections, um, and like their development here end up going. Because again, any of these two defenders here, Tom Willander and David Reinbacher, um, and I'm sure that there's a couple other guys here that I'm just blanking here at the top of my head, but those are two great players they could end up going here with if they choose. And they say, you know what? We want to be able to continue to reinforce our defensive core. Um, we've got multiple dynamic forwards ready to start making the jump here in the next couple of years. And so instead of using this pick here for them, we're going to go here with the defender. Yeah. Uh, and and that's something uh, we talked about with a friend of the show, Mike Morial of NHL.com, was do the Blues just say, our need right now is D so let's go D and he said, mm -hmm. it just depends on who falls where he's like, if, right. if a player like a, a Dvorsky or uh, even like a, a, a he's not going to happen, but like a Leo Carlson or somebody drops somehow right. you can't, you know, he's like, even he, he uh, we even talked off air about uh, last year, the um, drawn a blank on his name, the Seattle Kraken took him. Uh, he Shane, Wright. Project Shane Wright. Like yep. the Seattle Kraken probably had a plan to go, who are we going to take at number four? But then Shane Wright fell into the Shane Wright so like, somehow does it. Ditch, and they say, yeah, ditch Thank the you. plan. Take this kid. So right. he's like, it really just depends. He goes, I think they're going to go forward at that spot. But you never know. Something crazy right. could happen. And all of a sudden, they're taking a defenseman that could be in the NHL in two years. So exactly it, it really doesn't matter. We don't know. Right. 
Nope. Nope. And that's, I mean, that's one of the wonderful frustrating things you're like about the NHL draft or, or any single draft of any single kind of free agency or anything like that. You just, you just never know. You never know here with any single one of these players and you never know who's going to end up being one of those guys who you look back on and you're like, shoot, man, we should have taken this guy or how did they not draft this guy? And right. So, you know, and we're finally oh, starting I, to see that, you know, four years removed here from a different draft and hindsight is so funny when you talk to hockey fans, because I, I love the argument that I have with people about the Eric Johnson draft. Like why did they take Johnson? It should have been Taves or should have been stall. And I'm like, Every single scout in the yep. world was telling you that it was Eric Johnson that needs to go number one. And yep. you're not going to just tell your scouts, nope, sorry, not going to take him. Like, it was a consensus, you know. Right. And so right. sometimes things happen in the draft, and you just can't control it, and you play the cards you're dealt. And for the Blues at number 10, and maybe you're right, maybe they trade up, maybe they get higher in the draft, but at number 10 – they're going to have a plan going in, but depending on how the rest of the picks go, that could completely change in an instant. That's yep. And that's, that's all that it is. You know, you have to just be ready. And sometimes you get a Shane Wright that just falls in your laps and you say, thank you. Hockey gods. Yeah. <laughs> right. Keep yeah. Moving forward. Hockey gods were shining on Seattle that day. That's for sure. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> it. Yep. Uh, so talking about the Blues uh, and uh, where they're going to be this offseason, obviously the draft coming up next week, which is very exciting, should be one of the more anticipated drafts in uh, Blues history, The uh, especially mm-hmm. considering the last you know run this team's been on uh, that, that resulted in the Cup in 2019. But uh, after the draft, we'll be talking offseason. I know there's some talk about where the cap will be next year. Uh, right now, it's an extra million that will be added on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, see if anything changes, but for you off season, you know, obviously, you know, similar to the draft, things can change on free agent day. Um, but if you're Doug Armstrong, what's your focus going into the off season? I think the biggest thing that they have to do is unload one of those contracts. They absolutely have to, they have to to free up something. They've got about $7 million here in cap space available here to them right now. You can't do much here with that. I mean, yes, it's $7 million. Yes, you absolutely can. But the type of player that they need right now is somebody who's a little bit more impactful. You know, whether you're putting him in here as a second-line center, sorry, Blues fans, I don't like Pavel Buchnevich as your second-line center here moving forward. I don't. Either. He's good. He's a good stopgap. Stop he can be able to fill in here for a little while. I, I don't want him here as my second-line center. Bring in somebody else. So you need to be able to free up some cap space here for somebody else here, whether it be on the wing, whether it be here at the center position. Um, and then you're able to free up some money for some of those other defensemen that are coming up here as well. And, you know, you're looking here at the next season as well. So I, I think it's going to need to be moving out one of those contracts. That's that's the number one, I think, priority. Yeah. Um, I mean, any speculation from you on – who that could be. I mean, I know the talk is, you know, Pareko only time he'll go is if it's Edmonton, you know, yeah. everyone seems to think, which I've never heard confirmed reports that Tory Krug wants back in Boston. Um, I don't know if that's true at all, but any I, speculation from you on what, what might happen. So from everything that I have read, Tory Krug is, I don't say untouchable, but teams are not wanting to touch him due to the contract and his mm-hmm. injury history. So yep. like yeah, he's he's producing at a good rate when he's healthy. Yep. And teams are just not wanting to touch that here right now. And knowing Doug Armstrong, he does not want to retain any bit of that salary. So he would much rather go in with a Tory Krug here on his roster in his lineup at six point five million dollars rather than holding on to three million, two million here of Tory Krug's contract here moving forward. And I can't say I blame him. No. I I don't mind entertaining a Colton Pareko trade, I don't. But the only thing here for me then is who are you going to get to replace his minutes? Yeah. That's the only thing that I care about. If you can logically bring in a player that can be able to play his minutes and play them well and is an upgrade over Pareko, then I'm all game. But until then, you have to show me that you have somebody else who's in the lineup that can be able to play his, all these minutes and, and that you can be able to have this ascension. And maybe it's it's not Justin Falk. It's just not. It's no. not Tyler Tucker. It's not Robert Portuzo. It's going to need to be somebody else who's from the outside. 
yeah. you know, God willing, if it's if it's Robert Portuso, we're all screwed. <laughs> I was gonna say, wow, <laughs> no, love you, love you, Bobby Boards, but absolutely not. <laughs> no, no, we're we're all screwed at that point. Um, so it's it's gonna have to be one of those guys, which then leads me to a very unpopular opinion that it may be Justin Falk. Yeah, I don't want it to be, but it may just be a situation where okay, if he's the only card that I can build to, to move here right now, do you move him just built to move out the salary? That has it's, been it's the an... that's been the discussion with the Let's Go Blues radio panel is you know, I think you do, and I think at the end of the day, I think the other two guys on the show agree, but yeah. it would hurt to lose that because that's the one that's like he's actually living up to his contract. But yep. You gotta feel the rest of the league freaking knows that too. Like, and that's yes. what I try telling people who are like, "Well, you know, they just need to, you know, back in the day, they just need to trade Berglund." I'm like, the other team needs to want Berglund too. Like, it's not yeah. just Blues could just dump him off to somebody, and and it's like an overrided trade. Like, right? There's got to be a willing participant, and that's to exactly me, it. And, and and I don't, I, I'm not saying Pareko or, or Krug are worthless. They're not by any means. But looking at the contract and how low the salary cap is still after a couple of years after COVID, mm-hmm. I just don't see a team saying, well, let's acquire Tory Krug and see if he can step up his game at this point in his career. That's just right. not going to happen. Right. One team who I think could be very interesting. I mean, so put on you know, your, your tinfoil hat here with me is, and I was pure speculation here, just you know, playing my GM arm armchair GM here right now. What if the Blues and Detroit again got together and moved Justin Falk in a trade that would acquire either or both or however they wanted to do it, Philip Zadina and Dominic Kubalik? Ooh, all right. Again, I don't think that it's going to be able to acquire. Both of them, but both are decent players here right now. Zadina had that first-round draft pick pedigree. I mean, very high-end type of prospect. Maybe he comes to you know St. Louis, and we can be able to unlock here something with him. Kubelik, he was really good here in Chicago. Then he moves over to Detroit. He puts in about twenty goals here as well. So you know, you move out six point five million dollars here in Justin Falk. You probably acquire here somebody like a Kubelik, some draft picks maybe a prospect here in and of itself. And then you provide somebody else, you know, a little, little bit more depth. It's not all falling on Verana. It's not falling all on Saad for better or for worse. I don't know what Saad may or may not do here next season, but it's not falling on all of these guys and you're just providing more depth for yourself, especially on that left wing. Yeah. Very. I mean, I'm all for trade speculation at this point because something needs to be done. There's too much money tied up. There's not enough room for Armstrong to have some playroom. So I am all for let's just let's throw out these trades and see what makes the most sense. So let's right. do it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe maybe uh, the hockey gods will shine on this one here too. Yeah. Uh so uh anyone coming back in your opinion? I know the 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 talk right now, Ryan O'Reilly, Oscar Sunquist. Uh, do you think the Blues look into bringing any of these guys back over uh the summer? I think the Blues would be foolish not to at least look into Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, he still fills your second-line center very well. If they, for whatever reason, need to be able to move him to the wing, they can be able to move him to the wing. You can be able to keep flip-flopping, you know, he and Buchnevich if you truly wanted to. Um, Sunquist makes a lot of sense, but depending on the money that he wants, I don't know if they're interested in bringing him back just to play, like, fourth-line center. Right. I just don't. A guy who, again tinfoil hat that I would be very interested in bringing in on a one, maybe two year contract just to see if we can build to fix him is Sean Monahan. Interesting. Okay. He would be a very intriguing second, even third line center. He can play all the positions up at the forward position. So he's had bad injury history. I get it, but you bring him in one, two years on a lower cost. This is, again, assuming that you're also moving out of defenseman, you're freeing up a little bit of cap space. I don't think he's going to cost you that much. Right. I, I don't. And 
honestly, it's better than him going to Colorado and Colorado being like, well, we uh, guess what we found, you know, when he yeah. pots in 70 points here again. So yep. I, that I, would I be an I interesting would... pickup. And, and especially for yeah. a team like the blues who really have no playoff aspirations going into next year. But if you can find a gem like that, I mean, we, I mean, we talk about the reclamation projects and Verana and Blay and Kapanen. Mm-hmm. Why not try one more? And if all these yep. guys hit, all of a sudden you're looking at possibly a playoff run. So right. that's exactly it. That'd be that would be insane if if the Blues were to do that and then get all these guys that that just basically were throwaways by other teams, and then all of a sudden all these guys are playing at a high yep. potential. Every guy who has a down year is like, trade me to St. Louis. I want to go there. <laughs> Somehow they I'll, have figured it out. <laughs> I'll come back in here and say, you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, well, and they'll be like, well, we listened to this podcast once with this Mike Meyer guy, and he had this idea, so we should all do it. <laughs> That's exactly it. Yep. What yep. other ideas you got, kid? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so it, uh, in terms of guys making a jump next year onto the roster, because, you know, this team is going a little more youthful. Uh, yep. We saw Jake Neighbors step up a little bit towards the end of the year. Yep. Obviously, the names of Bull Duke and Dean have been thrown around a ton. But we've also got Matt Kessel and Tyler Tucker on defense. Um, yep. You know, it, it just in terms of somebody who maybe wasn't full time on the roster this past year, uh, who do you see making the jump next year? Well, neighbors, I think is it's going to be shocking. I think if he is not on this team full time, you know, I, I get why they put him down in the AHL for so long. I mean, obviously this was just a rough, rough season here. And so being able to put him down in the AHL where he was to play amongst his peers and just keep progressing, keep developing, you know, this was, that was a great, great move here by them. I don't think, and I may be in the minority here, I don't think that Balduke makes the jump here just yet. I think it would be a very, very good move for the Blues to have him start out in the AHL for the next one to two seasons. Let him grow, let him mature, let him be able to see the next progression here in professional hockey, and let him just marinate here a little bit. Yeah. Just just let him marinate. Plus, let's look at it. He is a He's a scoring winger. Where else in the lineup here right now do you see a spot for him? There's there's not. There's not. Unless you are also willing and ready to move on from Brandon Saad and say that Balduk is ready, I, I, I don't see it. I think one player that you could be able to see at the forward position that could make at least a few games at the start of the season here would be Zach Dean. He, to me, is a little more ready um, here of an well-rounded 200 foot type player. Very, very good here. I, I'm able to find out, you know, here again, like what his stats here were as I'm pulling them up here. Um, but the crazy thing for him, like whenever he was with the Olympics, they preferred structure more than just like free willing than we saw here from him in the past. So the fact that he had to play underneath of more of a structure, defensive, disciplined team, and still is able to score 33 goals, 70 points in 50 games. Wait a minute. Yeah. What do well, we got let's here? not let's not forget the incredible playoff run he had too. 26 he, points he including 10 incredible. goals in 13 games. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think Zach Dean is one who and it's because he is responsible defensively here as well. I think you could see him sneak up and be able to earn a little bit of playing time, at least a cup of coffee here like with the Blues to the start of the season. I I don't see that being from Balduke here just yet. And that's not a knock on him. I think that's just it's it's smart development to have right. him just start out here in the AHL and just marinate. Um, yeah. I, well, how many times do we see in the NHL and really all professional leagues, a guy get called up too soon and he just never yes. progresses into the guy that he was supposed to be. So I right. think it's okay for you to make that claim. Hey, Maybe we sit on this one a little bit longer before calling them up to the show. So I'm I'm right. all for it. If if they especially right. now with this team not in a win now mentality, let these kids marinate a little bit. Right. Yep. And then I mean defensively, I don't think there's anybody that's going to be overly shocking. I think you're going to see um, Scott Brunovich and Tyler Tucker be the two guys. You know, as as much as I would love to be able to see from like a Matt Kessel um, be able to work his way here up, it's it's going to be tough. The Blues have. What is it? Two, four, six, probably eight, nine guys who could all reasonably be able to make their way here into the lineup 
to be able to fill six spots. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very, very difficult for the Blues to decide what they're going to end up doing. And it may, again, unfortunately, come here at the expense here, like of a Robert Portuzo, just to make a spot here in the lineup. You know, right. Callie Rosen played really, really well here for us. What do, what do we do with Callie Rosen? What do we do with Scott Perunovich? What do we do here with Tyler Tucker? What do we, I mean, what, what do you do with all these younger guys who are clearly ready for spots here in the NHL? Yeah. Yeah. So, there's only six spots on the team, only so many, even just on the roster, including a seventh right. defenseman. So you got to start considering some of these guys getting moved out for either draft picks or parts of bigger deals. Right. Yep. That's so. exactly it. So I don't think there's going to be anything overly shocking here on the defensive side here more so than anything. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Mike, this has been insightful. Um, I, I love uh, just rapping about uh, talking about the, my old media days. Oh, yeah. People, everyone knows I'm oh, yeah. doing that on the show. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I appreciate you coming on. I want to give you some time here again. We mentioned the hockey writers, but uh, yeah. throughout the summer, what can people expect from you and how can they find your work and, and interact with you on social media? Big thing here. I mean, Twitter is like my main bread and butter. So, you know, you got it up here, but it's M underscore Meyer three. Um, that's my, again, my bread and butter. That's where you're going to find me here more so than anything. I'm trying to be able to work my way here into the Instagram game. It's the exact same thing here, here on Instagram. So be able to find me. Um, it's linked here in my Twitter as well. Um, I'm, I'm, it's, it's a little bit rougher to work my way here into the Instagram game here right now. I'm, <laughs> I'm not so much of a fan here of it, but you know, I'm about to figure out something able to, to move forward here with it. Um, and then, I mean, with, with the soft season, man, you know, I'm just going to be, uh, trying to keep my head down here and be able to talk about the, the blues, their prospects here more so. Um, and then just be able to keep rapping about speculation, you know, and what we can be able to expect here, like from the draft, we got a great crew of guys who are all, um, keeping their heads down and, and doing some, draft pick um, analysis and we're going to be recapping the draft here and doing a deep dive here on these guys that we that we drafted and just some speculation and what we think is going to be moving on and you know before you know it we're going to be at training camp yep uh so it's gonna be great hockey rider alum here and uh i just uh I, the draft coverage is always incredible over there so um oh yeah. yeah and and they always have they always have like four or five credentialed people go to the draft every year too so there's plenty yep. of people uh, you know if you're looking for more draft coverage Definitely. I know they always used to have a tab up for the draft. I don't know if they still do, but. Oh, yeah. Yep. So yep. the hockeywriters.com, check it out for that. And then, of course, the Blues coverage with Mike Meyer. Uh, anybody else on your team uh, that's, st- I don't know if Stephen Ground still posts over there, but. Stephen Ground still does it. Um, Ethan Carter and then uh, Marcus. And Marcus, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry, man. I always butcher your last name. So I'm just going to say Marcus. Marcus. <laughs> yeah. Good old Marcus at the hockey writers. That's all you need to say. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's fantastic as well. It's a great group of guys. You know, we try to cover every every single angle we possibly can here with them, and then some. Well, thanks again to Mike for coming on the show. Always appreciate his insight, and he's a two time friend of the show now. So, might as well just keep rolling. We'll probably have him on again much more uh, in the upcoming years, uh, as long as the show goes on. Uh, so next week we will be talking NHL draft. There is a chance we'll be recording Wednesday. I think we're going to be recording Thursday again, uh, just because Kurt and myself are both pretty busy on Wednesdays over the summer. So I think it's going to be a Thursday night, uh, after the draft is complete, like all of it. The first rounds on Wednesday, uh, two through seven are on Thursday. So I think we'll have a full draft recap. We'll do a live show likely. Thursday night next week, so make sure you stay tuned for that. Um, and, of course, watch the draft, on uh, uh, the, especially that first round. That's going to be a big one for the Blues. They'll probably get a lot of notoriety from the media, so make sure you're paying attention to the draft, especially that first round. Um, see what the Blues do. We're all, we've are all we been talking about it now for months. What do the Blues do in the first round? It's, it's next week, folks. We're going to find out very soon here what Doug Armstrong's plan is for that first round if there's any trades made if he makes all three picks those answers will be coming soon so make sure you stay tuned to that and again stay tuned us on social media we will announce when we'll be doing another live show but I'm thinking it's going to be next Thursday night so just mark that one on your calendar in pencil uh, so support for Let's Go Blues Radio is brought to you in part by rockin'thatidlife.com because it takes one step to begin your new health journey Take that step today and visit rockin'thatidlife.com for more information. That's rockin'thatidlife.com. 
and get 10% off by emailing Dustin at rockinthatidlife at gmail.com and tell him Let's Go Blues Radio sent you. And by Mike Burgoyne from Real Brokerage Realty. Visit strikewithmike.com today for all your home buying and selling needs. That's strikewithmike.com. And by Center Ice Brewery, St. Louis's tasty hockey-themed beer. Check out centericebrewery.com and navigate to their Where to Find Us page for availability. That's Center Ice Brewery beer. Please drink responsibly. That will do it for Episode 9 of Season 12 of the original St. Louis Blues Hockey Podcast, Let's Go Blues Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in, and have a great week, everyone. For Kurt Price and Bill Day, as well as Producer Austin, I'm Jeff Ponder, and I'll talk with you next week. This was Let's Go Blues Radio. Until next time, everyone, let's go Blues. Cardinals are winning. Keep it up. Sit, Ubu, sit. Good dog. <laughs> you thought I was going to say, son of a bitch, didn't you? <laughs>